Well, next Sunday is Christmas Day, so this will be our Christmas service, and I just want you to enjoy your time with your families next week, and don't forget Him as the reason for the day, but spend time with each other, with Him at the center. Today, I just wanted to share with you a little bit about the story of Christmas. It really shows God's amazing power. It shows His grace. It shows His mercy and His love for His people and that everything is about us. just wanted to read with you, if we could, just a little bit here. I'm just going to read through the story really don't have a ton of texts about the story, but we find it in Matthew and Luke. It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 1, that many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. And he says in verse 3, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you. Go back to verse 1. He said, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled. This Christmas story is a fulfillment of God. We need to remember that as Christians, that this day that happened was designed by God. It was not an accident. It was not late. Many times when in our Christianity, we have all kinds of questions. I've been going back and forth. It's been the weaving theme that I found. It keeps coming back. I sit down and I study and I put a sermon together, and then I'll say to Dawn, if I've been saying this particular topic too much, but it seems to just keep coming back. So to just trust God that he knows what he's saying, and it's just about the plan of God, and that God knows what he's doing. God is God, and he was God before us, and he will be God after us here on this earth. Our spirits will be with him forever, but after this time on earth, he'll still be God. And it's a fulfillment This is what this story is about. It's a fulfillment. It says in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And says in other translations as well to add, blessed are you among women. And she was confused and disturbed. She didn't know what this angel was talking about. Who am I? Little me, little Mary. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. 
The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. In verse 38, Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. We're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, Joseph's story picks up and an angel meets with Joseph as well because Mary's pregnant. And Joseph said, that's not my baby. But an angel comes to him and says, don't worry, Joseph, this is, a, this is God. And it says in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 1, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. He did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Verse 22, all this occurred to, everybody read that word out loud, to fulfill. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through His prophet. To fulfill what God said. God had said this a long time ago. He said, verse 23, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And this had been prophesied long before in the book of Isaiah. And here, it's about to be fulfilled. Turn back over to the book of Luke, to chapter 2. It says, at that time... The Roman Empire, verse 1, Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. I just want you to note, God did not call for a census. It says, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken. Just log that in your brain for a moment. And it says in verse 2, this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem. Because of the census that the Roman emperor required, David, uh, Joseph, being a descendant of King David, had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him... Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. The story continues with the shepherds. An angel appears to the shepherds, and they're a little shocked, so would we be. But they, the angel tells them, this is the Lord. They go, and they worship Him. And the story picks up again 
in Matthew chapter 2. Just for sake of time, I'm not reading every verse. I do encourage you for these couple of chapters, Luke 1 and 2 and Matthew 1 and 2, and go ahead and read these for yourselves with your family this week. In chapter 2 of Matthew, it says, Now Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting to the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time that the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12, they leave because they knew what Herod was up to. He wasn't really going to worship him. In verse 13, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to kill, is going to kill him. That night Joseph left For Egypt with the child and Mary his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized what the wise men had that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's reports of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Achilles, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called... Called Nazareth. This fulfilled 
what the prophets had said he will be called, a Nazarene. If you haven't noticed already, there is a theme in these first couple chapters. God said some things for a period of time and at a moment, just in a moment, and nobody recognized it. Nobody was aware. Even the devil, who is doing everything he can to try to stop, try to get God's kingdom to fall, which will not happen, but he's trying, was unaware because Herod was surprised. Herod was not a godly king. Herod, or uh, um, anointed by Satan to kill the children, tried in an attempt to take out Jesus. But the Bible says that there was some fulfillments that God said would come, and they were going to come. Can we agree that when God says something, when God says what He's going to do, when God speaks, God spoke it, and it was going to happen, period. Now, we read this story, and we read the beautiful parts about Jesus being born, and then, and the star guiding them. And then all of a sudden, the story takes this turn, and he has a dream, you need to flee. And then he comes back, and, he's, and there's a king, that he's, and, and he says that this king, this son would, will do the same thing. He's, if he finds out, he's going to kill us. And they find themselves finally and settle in Nazareth, and that's why Jesus is a Nazarene. Isn't it interesting that we would look, if we were to look at our own lives, or if we were to look at God's story, it wouldn't look necessarily, except that we have the picture from the beginning to the end. But if we just had some excerpts from his story, what it looked like if we read those few portions that God was in control. What it looked like, it looks to me like when I read those that God's doing something very quickly, suddenly, because he has to, because now the devil's after Jesus. But God knew, this is what I want to speak to you about, God knew that we would sin before we did. God knew that the devil, through Herod, would try to kill Jesus before he ever thought it. God knew that when he came back, that the son of Herod would be on the throne now and would want to do the same thing if he found out to kill Jesus and directed him to Nazareth. We look at God's plan through these eyes. And thankfully, the devil, even though he knows more than our human knowledge. He doesn't know more than our mind of Christ that we get. We get to outwit him with the mind of Christ. But without the mind of Christ, this mind, the devil knows more than this mind. He's been around since uh, at least Adam. We don't know what, when he was created, but he has knowledge beyond us, and he was outwitted on this day. Because when God says something, when God designs a plan, when God purposes something in his heart, 
the Bible says that it will be, everybody together, fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. God has spoken a word. God has spoken a word over your life just as He spoke. Just as He spoke so many times, He spoke that there's going to be a Savior that's going to come. And it's not an afterthought. I'm not trying to put pieces together and figure some, some things out quickly because, man... This Adam and Eve thing, man, it was going to be so good and you messed it up and now, now I don't know what to do. All right, well, you know, I got something in the works. We'll figure this out. I want to show you that God's plans... Uh, recently we had a... Uh, I, I'm sorry, I know that I cut my statement off there mid-sentence because I'm going to finish it with this. Recently we had a, a prophet here, someone that we've known for years now, uh, 10, 12 years, Benjamin Arday. And he said something that is just incredible, such a, it's such an amazing statement, I want to, I'm going to steal it for today, that the devil has a plan, but God has the pre-plan. Just when your life is looking the worst, I mean, Jesus, they, don't, they can't find somewhere to, this is the Son of God, and they can't find somewhere for Him to sleep. God knows what he's doing. Come on. And then they rush out in the night. Doesn't sound like led by the Spirit of God. It sounds like, well, who are we afraid of? Sometimes we need to be careful. Sometimes we need to step back. We need to listen to the Spirit of God. Because we could, and you know, so how many Christians would, would come out the next morning and be like, I've got nothing to be afraid of. I've got Jesus literally <laughs> with me. And there's nothing to be afraid of. And I just thought it was interesting that God's plan, we can't look at it through our eyes. We can't try to figure it out with our minds because God's plan is God's plan and we don't know why he's put a particular obstacle. The devil put the obstacle in front of him, but God knew before time that that obstacle was going to be there. And because of that obstacle, guess what? You're going to see some prophecies fulfilled, and you did it for me, devil. And so what I want to talk about is one particular fulfillment today. There's an amazing thing that happened in this story, an absolutely incredible miracle, and it says so much to us as his people. And we find it in Matthew chapter 2. It says, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? Verse 2. Because we saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. I mentioned this just very briefly, if you, maybe you heard me, maybe not, a couple weeks ago. Who has seen the film The Bethlehem Star? Anybody seen that in here? And you can find it at thestarofbethlehem.com or if you go on YouTube, it's free. It's an hour and seven minutes. It's called The Star of Bethlehem. Now this lawyer, not an astronomer, he had no knowledge of the stars, no knowledge of any type of astronomy or computer programs to be able to search the history of the stars, but 
you can watch the video, he became obsessed with this Bethlehem star. The Bible says they saw a star, and it led them right to Jesus. And there has been all kinds of um, wonderings if, if it was supernatural. It could have just been an angel leading them. You know, it looked like a star. You can find in the Bible that angels and stars kind of go uh, as metaphors, hand in hand, and there, it could have been a, sh- a shooting star. Well, that would have come and gone maybe a little too quickly. It could have been a comet, but then why would it that stop over Bethlehem? So there's all these questions. Well, this guy became obsessed with it, and uh, it's not uh, the first time that someone has Kepler, right, who NASA uses their, their math, their science from. He was obsessed with this as well. Well, anyway... He believes he found it, and so do I. The Bible says that a star appeared and guided them. Now, there's, this is absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible when you, when, I'm just, I'm getting ahead of myself because I can't wait to, to bring the revelation of how big God is. But basically, in the year 3 B.C., well, firstly, let me say this. Before anybody accuses me because we're talking about the stars of astrology or the New Age, let me just read a few things to you. Okay, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26, the Bible says, Look up into the, look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. God calls the stars by their name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Genesis 1 verse 14, then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide, New King James, to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. It says in Joel chapter 2, verse 30, And I will cause wonders in the heavens, NLT, and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. Wonders in the heavens. Luke 21, verse 11. There will be great earthquakes, Jesus talking about the end times, and there will be famines and plagues in many lands, and there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. Verse 25 in Luke 21, and there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on the earth, nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. In Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make Him known. The stars make God known. They tell of God's glory. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth. And their words to all the world, God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. Now, at this point, you'd say, you could say, well, yeah, God made the stars, and the stars shine God's glory, and they display His glory, but God doesn't talk about constellations, because then we're going to get into astrology, and we're getting into new age. In Job chapter 9, verse 9, it says, He, talking about God, Job 9, 9 says, He, God, made all the stars, the bear. Boy, that sounds like a constellation to me. God's not afraid of the stars or the constellations. 
what happens is the New Age, false religions... Right? Just like anything. God said in the end times, the wrong will be right, the right will be wrong. It's not, it says they'll worship the creation instead of the creator. They started, what happened is astrology today, I mean, your horoscope comes, goes way, way, way back. Because the Bible says that they started worshiping the stars and the demons that said that that's where they, you know, they called that their home or whatever. You can get into all that. Whatever they were doing, started doing demon worship and star worship and, and astrology and, and magic and all these things. Instead of looking up and seeing God's glory, they started worshiping the thing instead of God who created the thing. It says in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, I talked about Balaam a couple weeks ago. Well, here's Balaam. Remember, they, God has to finally get him with a donkey, gets the donkey to speak to him to get this guy's attention. Remember that story? Well, Balaam's going to, he's getting paid to curse God's people by an enemy of the Israelites. But God's plan, it doesn't matter what the enemy says, doesn't matter what the enemy's got planned, man, that's it. The enemy knows, man, if I can get this curse to come out of his mouth, I can get God's people. But Balaam can't help it, just spills out of his mouth in verse 17 and says, I see him. Balaam says, I see him, talking of Jesus Christ. I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future, a star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. It will crush the head. Here's the Moabites who were trying to get him to curse them. Jesus will crush because they were, not because God hates anyone, but their heart. These people were completely opposed. They were worshiping the devils, worshiping the demons, worshiping the stars, and very thing that they were trying to get him to curse, he's brings a curse on them. But it says that Jesus, I see him, a star will rise from Jacob. The Bible has lots to talk about stars, and I just read you a few. Just a few. Well, this is an amazing thing that this guy found. In 3 B.C., he started, doing the re- he started doing the research and started checking what other people had said in the old research and et cetera, et cetera. He finally found in 3 BC, right at the time, in September, at the time of the Jewish New Year. Now, is God's a God of symbolism? God is a God of signs, as we can see by His Word. And it says that right at that time, at Rosh Hashanah, it says... That two objects, Jupiter, which we could say, oh man, you start talking about the names of the planets and we start, you know, see, New Age, like I said, and the astrology and all these things and uh, false religions, they taint what God has made. It's like you not being able to have a dolphin on your shirt. We've joked about this. We, We can't have rainbows on our shirt anymore. I say we should just have a rainbow on our shirt. It should be a rainbow, a dolphin. And a whole bunch of stuff that the world stole and, and perverted. The Bible's, God made Jupiter. Who knows that? Okay, yes. So God's planet, Jupiter, put there as a sign. That's what the Bible says for us. Now, um, they called it, it was known in that time and still today, if you look it up, as the king planet. So that's, what it, that's what it symbolizes. 
The king planet, let's just start thinking about the symbolism here. The king planet, Jupiter, has a star right next to it. Now, this star is called Regalus. And the name Regalus is where we would get the name Regal. The Romans called it King, which was Regulus Shara. And the Babylonians, sorry. The Romans called it Regulus Rex, which means King. The King planet and the King star, Jupiter starts doing circles. Now, the Magi, we're not exactly sure, but most likely they're over here in Babylon looking up maybe uh, uh, descendants of Daniel's school. Remember Daniel in the Old Testament who saw things that we still haven't figured out yet? He was able to uh, uh, unravel. Remember the magicians couldn't interpret, they couldn't see, they couldn't do what he could do. Well, the Bible says that Daniel, he never left. It's possible that these were still some sort of a descendant of a Jew. We're not exactly sure. But they come. We're gonna, we read that they fell down and worshipped him. Why would they do that if they were just some Babylonian people? So we're not exactly sure, but it's possible. But most likely, it says they're from the east. They're looking from Babylon. And what they would have seen was Jupiter goes and does a circle above Regulus three times. It forms, and if you watch the the video, you get to see it as a picture, but he forms a halo right over the star Regulus or a king or a crown. Three times. Now, it, you know, it, it, it might pass over once, and that's something to see, but it passed over three times. Three times. Now, at the same time that Jupiter is crowning, is hailing uh, Regulus, um, at the same exact time, it's as you look back, this is in 3 BC, um, these, this was happening right within... Leo the lion. Now, we're not looking at Leo. Listen, again, I already warned you. It says the bear. The Bible says it. We're not looking to the stars to tell us our future. You're not interpreting what your day is and how it's going to be. But God is a God of symbolism. Now, just because the devil stole uh, meditation, for instance, David was a meditator, right? But meditation, we're afraid, we get afraid of that, right? Because the, the new age, because false religions have stolen it and they created something that it wasn't meant to be. But God created the stars. He put Leo the lion there that, that the world has chosen to worship. But right within Leo the lion. Now that's very interesting. That the king, that Jupiter and the regal, the king's star. Jesus is the morning star. Jesus is the star of the king, the one that shines from the king. And, the, and to be in the lion, it says in Genesis 49.9, Judah, my son is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. He was talking of Jesus one day, and we can see that in Revelation 5, 5. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion, talking of Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. 
So right within the lion, in the, st- in the stars, within the lion is this crowning, is this conjunction, this hailing. And at the same exact time, something else happened. From behind this constellation, they saw Virgo. Again, we are not talking about astrology, okay? But it represents... Now, where'd they get all these names from, right? Where'd they get these from? Leo is in front and the virgin, Virgo means the virgin, is coming from behind and she, the the virgin Virgo has, is clothed with the sun. So the sun is clothing it and the moon is at the feet of this constellation Virgo. Now it says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, then I witnessed, Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the new moon beneath her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Now, he said, this is incredible. May, this, this might be Jesus' birth. But he said, let me just see. With all this happening, this looks more like conception to me. Because we have God taking Jesus and anointing him, calling him for a purpose. And now listen, does a star suddenly shine? Are there any stars that all of a sudden just start to shine? The stars were set in motion before time began. The Bible says that he spoke and the stars existed, which means that this constellation, this event that was happening in the sky at the very moment Jesus was being conceived and born, the very moment God had already designed it, the stars were proof had designed it before we even were. Before you had a chance to make a mistake, God already had a plan set in motion. But it gets greater. Nine months, he said, let me fast forward, nine months. Nine months later, Jupiter, the king planet, he leaves that, he travels, Jupiter travels, and it converges with Venus, which was the mother planet. The king now has a mother. And it says, he said that the conjunction was so bright that it would have been the most brilliant star that man has ever seen. Now, coincidentally, this happened again. It took 2,000 years to happen. But Venus... And Jupiter, if you remember, last June happened again. The brightest star that man could, you could ever see happened again. Now that is not today's sermon, but that is very interesting. Let's just leave it at that. Talking of Jesus is coming again, all the talk of the times we're in, that this has happened again. That's very, very interesting, but that's another sermon. God's plan was already in motion. The stars are in motion. They were set. It's like a clock 
once it's started, it doesn't just begin uh, one day in our time, and all of a sudden the star just shines. It was started before time existed. They work within time. They only work really within the time of our earth. They're Really, what is time? They're outside of time for us, but we're watching them from our time. So anyway, God's plan. God's plan was set in motion. It was set in motion, and you're not going to stop it. His motion was started on that day of creation. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 25, that this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. It says in Numbers 23, 19, that God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. He has, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? When God, I mean, God's ways are just beyond us. We think, we think that we get worried about the right here and right now. And this has just been coming back to this and in God's plan. We're looking at things right here, right now, this moment, the suffering we're in, the joy we're in, whatever it is. And that's really, is in, in our humanity, it's hard to think past that. We think things are never going to get bad or we think things are never going to get good based on the moment we're in. But God's plan was before time. That's the, this incredible picture. When they saw this star, the reason it was so amazing, the reason they traveled, possibly, uh, if it's from Babylon, it was 700 miles without a car, without a plane, without a train, just to see this kid. It was so magnificent. Something is happening. Something that was planned before time. You understand that the stars were set in motion. They take thousands of years to do what they were already planned to do. When Jesus was born, they were saying, you know what? It's been 2,000 years. It's been 2,000 years already that some of these prophecies have been spoken. Just like today, the Bible says the same thing about the time we're in. The Bible says that we'll say the same things. It's been 2,000 years. What God has set in motion is already in motion. It's not a surprise to God. The, the fact that this occurred means that Jesus came at the exact moment that God planned it. There was no surprise to God. Herod was surprised. The devil was surprised and tried to quickly just wipe out that new generation and failed. Joseph and Mary probably were a little surprised and shocked after their being obedient to God. And God says, get up in the middle of the night and go to Egypt. We get surprised 
The enemy gets surprised. The world gets surprised, but God is not surprised. But it's so much bigger. It's so much sweeter than that. When we realize that Jesus did not come to become a king, Jesus didn't need to do this to become somebody. All of this was done for us. That Jesus, before we even existed, was already in motion. Now listen, that means that before the devil ever tricked Eve, think about that. We look at situations in our lives and we think that this is it. I don't know how to get out of this one. I'm so far from God. I've fallen so far. Or I'm just, I, I'm so low. Or maybe things with God are right, but you're like, I just don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. And it just feels like, God, you've abandoned me. Where are you? This sickness, etc. We're looking at all of these things. And meanwhile, when we get this picture, if we can get this picture, that God's plan is not, this is, it's, it's, there's all kinds of, there's false religion stuff that comes off of this. I'm not trying to say you don't have a choice, okay? You have a choice. You are still making your decisions. But God in his infinite wisdom knew beyond. He knew the choices you would make. He knew the things the enemy would do before it ever happened. God peered ahead into the future and saw your need, your need for a savior, your need for the thing in your life that you've been crying out for. He saw that need before you were even born and proved it. We could say, oh, Jesus was an afterthought, but this star is such a key because what it tells us is that it was set in motion before us. It was set in motion before the devil. So no matter what we're facing, no matter what you're up against, no matter what you're worried about, no matter what you're anxious about, no matter what you're struggling with, God has a plan. And if we just hold on to his plan, it might take you to Egypt. It might take you to, I didn't plan on it, but now I'm in Nazareth. It might take you places that you didn't plan. And it may look like the devil has more power than God. Who has been a Christian and it's looked like that? And you wonder, we look at God and say, what's going on? Why? But because God's got some things to fulfill and we have no idea what he's trying to fulfill in you. But we trust him that he knows, doesn't he? The Bible says in Romans 8, verse 28, that God causes, we know this, we know, I love it, it says we know, Romans 8, 28, we know, we should know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. It says in verse 29, for he knew his people, what's that say? In advance, in advance, Jesus, I'm just, I, it's like, it's absolutely incredible that this is what this means. There is nothing that surprises God. 
There is nothing in your life right now that God doesn't already have the answer for. Because it says, He chose them to become. Who? His people. Who's His people? We are. God knew us. All right. Let me start again. After me. God knew me in advance. It says, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. In verse 30, it says, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. Thank you, Lord. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, listen, he gave them his glory. Before you even chose him. That doesn't mean that you didn't have the choice. You have the choice. And if, it's, if there's no, I don't believe there's any hearts in here, but maybe a heart listening on the web. If there's a heart that says, well, it's all just predetermined and it doesn't matter, then you're, what decision are you already making? Okay, question that thought. You're making the choice, the right choice, but God knew that you would. He was rooting for you. God was rooting for you before time that you're going to make the right choice. And when you do, I've got some plans for you. I've got some things planned. And don't look at the natural because it's not going to make sense because it's going to be simple. It's going to be low. It might look like it's here and then it's there. And the world's trying. The world misses you that way. Do you notice that because of this strategy that the world who was trying to kill him missed him? God's plan in advance. Listen, don't be worried about being obscure. Don't be worried about being small. Don't be worried about your struggles because God might be just. He just might be up to something to keep you under the radar and have you pop out and surprise the devil with some glory around you. Amen? Jesus loves us so much. This whole thing, this Christmas, is about us. It's all about us. It was always about us. The virgin was always in the sky. Always. You were always planned by God. Always. Your victory was always planned. Let's stand together if we could. Just want to pray. Lord, we thank you for what you did for us. The greatest gift to mankind, the greatest gift that's ever been given, whether inside of this world or outside of this world, Lord, you have done something miraculous for us. It's not to be taken. The world, the Bible says, the world calls it foolishness. They don't get it. They don't make, it doesn't make sense. And your word says that even the devil, if he had known 
If the rulers of the world at that time had known, they wouldn't have crucified Christ because it brought us into your presence. The very thing that was planned for evil, as you said in your word, you have turned for good. We thank you, Lord, that every single thing, even when it doesn't make sense, every struggle, every trial, every wandering, every wondering, thank you, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose, and we just need to get that, Lord. Put that revelation inside of us. Ground us, Lord, once and for all, that you know what you're doing, and that there's nothing that surprises you, and that even before the enemy put that obstacle in front of us, you had a plan to get us out. We thank you, Lord, in this season for your gift of Jesus Christ. And as your word says, when we get this revelation, when we hold on to the revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for us, it says that our minds will no longer think of these earthly things. They can't. It doesn't make sense. This place no longer makes sense because we start to see higher, start to see that you are God and you're in control and that you order the stars, that you order us, that you order even the enemy and he doesn't even know it and I thank you God for each and every person in here and each and every person in this family whether they're present or not thank you Lord for your blessing in this season we bless this church in this time thank you Lord that you are the gift we receive the gift of Jesus Christ once and for all and know that there is nothing that your as your word says that you wouldn't do for us you said I wouldn't even spare my own son what won't I do for you how can I show you my love anymore We thank you, God, that you love us that much. We thank you, Lord, and we give you glory. We give you praise, and we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.